0: They say love is the strongest magnetic force on the planet Earth. But if this is really true, why is love such a complicated subject matter? Welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast, and I am your host, LaToya. I created this podcast in honor of my dad, who was an acclaimed television broadcast engineer for nearly four decades. He also hosted an award-winning radio show called Speaking of Sports, which is the inspiration behind the name of this podcast, Speaking of Love. My dad was an amazing guy who achieved levels of success that most people only dream of. He was held in the highest esteem, and yes, he was a star in the public eye. But on March 2nd of 2020, his private struggles became public when he murdered his wife moments before taking his own life. So I created this podcast as a platform for spreading love around the globe while raising awareness for mental health and suicide prevention. Hello everyone and welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast. I hope everyone is doing well today. I am here alone today. I don't have a guest because I have some very important information that I wanna bring forward to you about suicide prevention and suicide awareness. I have a beautiful story by a young man named Kevin who attempted suicide and survived. And I think that his story is very compelling I think it aligns with my purpose here on this platform. So I want to show you today what is possible if you're having thoughts of suicide, the reality of life, and what can be possible if you just hold on for one more day. So his story is very compelling. After I show you the story, I would like to come back and talk to you a little bit more about suicide and what to look for in a person who may be contemplating suicide and how you can help them. So I'm going to get right into the video and talk to you and show you Kevin's story. Just a moment. At
1: the, At the age, age of 17, 17 I developed by bipolar disorder, disorder, very severe, severe form. form. It, it nearly, nearly, uh, uh Cost, cost me my, my life, life and nearly destroyed, destroyed my family. family. My I parents were in the middle of getting divorced at the time. Uh, it, was it was a tumultuous time, time for my life as a teen, and, and I believed uh, that, that I was, was the, the only, only one under, under that cloud. cloud. But that's that's so far from the truth, so far from fact. Fifty million people around the world diagnosed mentally ill. Uh, So many more undiagnosed, but that have the diseases that are in their brains. I don't want to have this disease. I don't want to be flawed bipolar disorder. That's not me. I was a wrestling champion in the WCL league in in California. There's no way my football team went to state. This is garbage. And I, I was in so much denial and that denial ruled the day until I crashed hard. And it was September 24th when, when it all came to a head, I sat at my desk and I penned that note, mom, dad, brother, sister, girlfriend, best friend, love you, but I gotta go. I was gonna go to the golden gate and I was gonna disappear. I thought I was my family's burden. I wish I asked them. I just wanted the pain to stop. That's the common denominator of people we lose to suicide. They just want the pain to stop what they don't realize is that their thoughts don't have to become their actions. Their thoughts don't have to take over. If you can recognize those thoughts as flawed and illogical, because suicide is an irrational state of mind, you think you have to die, but you don't really want to. You know, I found myself in my father's room that morning. I startled him awake. He looked at me, said, Kev, what's wrong? Like with parental instinct. I said, uh, nothing, dad. I just want to tell you that I love you It's for the very last time. And you know, he goes, I love you too, Kev, but it's six in the morning and I don't gotta be working until nine. Go back to bed. I walked around the other side of the bed. I sat on the carpeted floor and I rocked myself back and forth in tears, begging myself to tell the one man who loves me the most in the world, the truth. But the voice in my head said, be quiet, Kevin, you have to die. And that's what took me to the golden gate that morning. I took a bus there and on that bus, All I wanted to do was scream and beg for help and live. But the voice became so loud. I sat on that bus in the back row, middle seat. I'm crying my eyes out like a baby, mucus dripping from my nose, people staring at me now. Then I'm yelling aloud at the voices in my head. I desperately wanted someone to say, are you okay? I would have told them everything. Fear, apathy. There was a guy to my left said to the fellow next to him while pointing at me with his thumb what the hell's wrong with that kid with a smile on his face apathy that's his or her problem but it ain't mine the bus got to the bridge i sat there crying bus driver turned he stood he looked at me and he said kid come on get off the bus i gotta go i walked across the walkway of the Golden gate bridge for 40 minutes up and down back and forth crying like a baby bikers joggers tourists runners they all went by me. Police officers searching for suicidal people went by me twice. I'm leaning over the rail, crying like a baby. They went by me twice. Nobody cares. And the voice in my head said, jump now. And I did. At the millisecond that my hands left that rail, instant regret for my actions and the absolute recognition that I just made the greatest mistake of my life. You know, falling head first, right in my body accidentally, landed in a position that wouldn't kill me. On the way down, I said to myself, what have I just done? I don't wanna die, God please save me. And I hit the water. I went down 70 feet beneath the water's surface but I opened my eyes. My legs, I couldn't move. I had shattered my T12, L1, and L2 lower vertebrae into shards like glass. I had missed severing my spinal cord by uh, two millimeters. I swam to the surface only using my arms. When I came to the surface, bobbing up and down in water, swallowing salt water, kept going down, couldn't stay afloat. A woman driving by in a red car saw me go over and she called her friend in the Coast Guard. The reason the Coast Guard got to my body within less than the time I would sit in hypothermia and drown was because of that woman making that phone call. The Coast Guard arrived. They fished me out of the water, they put me in a flatboard, they put a neck brace around my neck and they started asking me a bunch of questions. Guy looks at me, he leans in and he says, kid, do you know how many people we pull out of this water that are already gone? And I said, no, and I don't wanna know. And he said, well, I'm gonna tell you, this unit has pulled 57 dead bodies out of this water and one live one. I looked up at my dad and I said, Dad, I'm sorry. And he looked down at me and with great conviction, he said, no, Kevin, I'm sorry. And waterfalls flew from his eyes. He put his hand on my forehead and he said words I've never forgotten. Kevin, you are going to be okay, I promise. And that got me through the night. Now I had this opportunity to recover. And a lot of people think that I went from this incident and was like, oh, I'm so much better now. You know, oh great, it's all gone. No, this was just the beginning. In the first three psych ward stays, involuntary, forced in against my will. But those next four, I found self-awareness. I found the ability to say, I'm gonna accept that I have this disease. I'm gonna fight it tooth and nail. I'm going to beat it one day at a time. And that's what I've been doing. Exercising every day, eating healthy most days, educating myself about bipolar disorder, being able to utilize all of those things, work them into a regimen, a routine that helps keep me here. The common denominator of recovery from mental illness is routine. There are so many things we can do that are not clinically based for all the people that don't get clinical care. If you can train your body And your mind to wake up at the same time, go to bed at the same time, take your pills at the same time if you're on medication, which helps some people and not all. Train your body and mind to eat at the same time, roughly within a two-hour period every day. Work out even as simple as 23 minutes a day. That leads to 12 hours of better mood. Your eight-second hugs wherever you can. Eight-second hugs release endorphins in the brain that make you feel better. I thought that I had one chance, one choice, and one burden to take care of. I had to die. And I was wrong. Learn from me. Know that your thoughts don't have to become your actions. You were not meant for this world to leave it by way of suicide too soon. But one thing you can never do, one thing you should never do is silence your pain. I silenced my pain for years. I buried it deep down inside me, like so many people do. And I lost myself and it came out in a burst of rage against myself that led me to attempt to take my life. I want you to learn from me. Suicide is not the answer. And you deserve to be here for you. But your pain is valid. Your pain is real. And your pain matters because you do. No matter what you think about how you aren't valued or you're worthless, it's not the truth. You have to find a way to turn back to logic. Logic says that I do get to live, you matter, you're beautiful, we need you, please be here tomorrow. You matter, you're beautiful,
0: and we need you to be here. It's just that simple. I wanna share with you some of the common, I'm gonna put my screen up here, We're going to talk to you today. I have a couple of slides that I want to share with you. And these are some of the warning signs. Uh, Just one moment. Here are some of the risk factors for someone who may be contemplating suicide, depression, low self-esteem, mental illness, substance abuse or dependence, eating disorder, having a family history of suicide, self-mutilation, poor suicide, prior suicide attempts, situational crisis. Athletes may also be at an increased risk due to injuries and intense pressure of success and the failure mindset. So these are some of the risk factors for people who may be contemplating suicide. If you notice any of these risk factors in your loved one, Talk to them. Don't be afraid to ask them if they're contemplating ending their own lives. It's nothing wrong with letting a person know that you care and letting them know that you're there for them without judgment, without criticism. Talk to them. If you see them not exactly being the person that they always have been, you notice them socializing less, isolating more, that's something that needs to be checked out. And if you do find that your loved one is contemplating suicide, get help for them. Seek medical attention and do the best that you can to remain by their side. Because a lot of times when people do follow through with suicide attempts, it's because they don't feel that anyone really cares. So by showing that you love them and showing that you care, in essence, you will be making a difference in their lives. Uh, if you have any questions here, I do have a few people on line here and I'm going to show their comments. I have Mrs. McCleary, uh She says, wow, what a dynamic testimony. I wish I could extend my faith, hope to everyone that may be hurting. That is my prayer. Thank you, Mrs. McClary. I really appreciate your comments. We also have Osnita Norman watching and she's sending her love today. I wanted to share that story with you because the gentleman who uh, contemplated suicide, Kevin, he's still here and he has a beautiful message to tell. And he is what is possible if you hold on for just one more day, just one more day. That's all you need to do. And I know that. The suicide prevention number is not listed here, but if you are contemplating suicide, the number that you can call is 1-800-273-TALK. That's the number that you can call for help It's 1-800-273-TALK. I appreciate you all for being here today for my 93rd episode of Speaking of Love. I will be back here next Saturday with another episode of Speaking of Love. I have a guest next week and we're going to talk about my favorite subject, which is love. So before we conclude, I do have a few more slides that I would like to show. Thank you all so much for being here this week. And I appreciate, appreciate you. I appreciate the love that you've shown me for my podcast. And this mission is very, very sacred to me. So thank you all so much.
2: in this market as well. Yeah. Uh, Herman, I love that you were all of those different things here <laughs> at WGPR. And that's sort of indicative of the way the station operated. People did lots of different things. Got lots of different opportunities to learn about all of them. Yeah, I am extremely blessed to have been hired at the time that I was a 22-year-old 20, kid out of college. Um, and I worked at WDET. Mm-hmm. You know, as a college work-study student, I got a chance to meet Mr. George White. Mm -hmm. And he was being interviewed about the prospect of WGPR, nation's first all-in-operated black TV station opening. And I begged him, man, please hire me. Please (laughs) hire me on the ground floor. I am very trainable. And You know, I am very, very grateful that the experience at WGPR uh, helped me get a job at Channel 7, which I worked for 30 years Uh after that and the job as a news cameraman. You may not know who I am, a lot of people, but you have seen my work on the air. Right, and and there's, right. there's nothing, there are no two days alike as a news <laughs> cameraman. And I've been very blessed to work with a lot of, um, you know, people who I learned a great deal from who yes. I respect in the industry. And Karen Hudson and, and Doug Morrison, <laughs> the two of them from GPI. Doug Morrison, I right? Yeah, I, remember, I remember him too. <laughs> uh, Ken, I, I like to...
0: So a lot of you have asked the question about my dad um, and what actually happened in his murder-suicide that took place that ended the life of his wife and himself. So if you could just give me a few minutes here, I am going to show you the news clipping of the situation that took place on March 2nd of 2020 uh, related to my dad. So if you just give me a few minutes, I'm going to play a clip for you. Tonight, family and friends are grieving. One moment. I'm going to share my screen with everyone, so just give me one second. Okay, here we go.
1: over the loss of lifelong, lifelong friends who, who rekindled their friendship their and got married just married last year, only, only to have it come to an awful end last night.
3: Sterling Heights Police are still investigating the deaths of Elizabeth and Herman McAlpin mm-hmm. in what appears to be a murder-suicide.
1: Jim Kurtzner, live at the condo complex, where they live, near the corner of 16 Mile and Shaner, talking with family and friends. And Jim, a lot of family and friends inside Broadcast House as well. This one hits close to home.
3: It does, Glenda, and as the word spread, one word, shock, a neighbor found Elizabeth inside the front door here, then went inside to make the rest of the shocking discovery.
0: They went in the house and saw, found him upstairs in the bedroom with a self-inflicted
2: wound.
3: Take a look at the happy photos of Elizabeth and Herm McAlpin at their wedding last May. They were friends back in the 1970s at Kettering High School. Herm even coached kids in basketball at this Southfield rec center. Liz and Herm went through their separate adult lives, had families, went through divorces. Fate would bring them back together just a couple of years ago. Herm's younger sister, Lexine, tells us they just made it through very tough times.
2: Liz was with
0: Herman as he fought prostate cancer and recovered from that. And they got married last year, May the 25th on his birthday. And they seem to be very happy. He always talks about his beautiful wife. So this is just so hard to believe that this
3: would actually happen. And Lexine tells us there were other health issues in the family, but nobody saw this coming. Herm McAlpin worked at Channel 7 until he retired in 2007. Was a lot of pain for a lot of people this afternoon. Reporting live in Sterling Heights, Jim Kurtz, 7.
0: Okay, I apologize for that. Thank you all for still staying on. <laughs> My microphone was out. Okay, so um, as I was saying uh, when the video ended, I thank you all for being here today. I thank you for listening in. Can you hear me now? Let me know if you can hear me, Marsha and Ms. McClary. Let me know if you can, can hear me. So I, I decided to play the video clip because I have received a lot of questions from people. And people are wanting to know, um, you know, why did you start this podcast? What happened to your father? And I wanted to show you today the video clip that aired on the news the day that my life changed forever. And I don't get the opportunity to really speak about my dad's wife as much as I would like to, but I don't have permission from her family. So please, I want my audience to know that I'm not being dismissive. And I'm not only just focusing on my dad, it's just that for legal reasons, and I don't have permission from Elizabeth's family to speak about her. Um, I have a few questions here from my audience. I'm going to read these questions. Uh, Miss McClary says, were there signs with your dad? I think the pandemic has made it harder to recognize because everyone is so sheltered now. Yes, there were signs with my dad. He showed signs of depression, um, he was actually uh, under the care of a doctor prior to all of this happening. So he passed away on March 2nd, which was well, maybe about two weeks before the pandemic actually hit. So uh, we didn't go into shutdown, the pandemic shutdown was, I think, two weeks after he passed away. So to answer your question, yes, there were signs, yes, he was under a doctor's care, and yes, he was taking medication. But in addition to that, there was some alcohol abuse and things of that nature that compounded the situation with my father. Um, I'm going to see if I have any other questions. I have, uh, Marcia says, don't forget to give out your Cash App info so that we can support this mission. You are doing the work of yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I will post my Cash App here. Uh, One second. Let me... Put that here. Thank you for reminding me to do that for Cash App. So, if you all have any other questions, you can definitely uh, write them in in the comments, and I'll be happy to answer them. My Cash App is Toy Bond Eight. I'm gonna save it and. Posted it there. That's my cash app. If you all are interested in donating, that's really sweet of you. I appreciate that. If not, I'm going to conclude this episode. I thank you all for supporting me in this mission. I thank you all for being here for me and allowing me the space and the time to be in your lives every Saturday at 12 o'clock noon to share my love, to share my wisdom. I just truly appreciate you all for the love and the support. Um, This really is therapy for me. So when I'm here live every Saturday and I'm talking about my dad, I'm talking about suicide prevention, this is a form of therapy for me. I'm I'm not under a therapist's care right now. I don't take any medications, but every Saturday I have a pill that I take with water (laughs) before I go live. And that pill is Speaking of Love, the podcast. This is my medication, this right here. And this helps me. So I appreciate you all for being here and I'll be back here next Saturday for another episode of Speaking of Love, the podcast. I love you all so much. Thank you for being here. Have a great weekend, everyone.